I'll tell you who it was. It was that damned Sasquatch. This is They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. And this week, we watched Billy Madison as part of our goal quest to watch every single Adam Sandler movie in chronological order and figure out if there's any sense to the Sandlerverse. Once a day. One one per day. Yeah, one per day. 59 days straight. It has been a lot already. This is only movie three. I mean, so far, two out of three. Yeah, Billy Madison's a good movie, and I actually can't believe you haven't seen it. Um, if, if people listened to last episode, Jess sometimes forgets which movie she's seen, and I just kind of assumed she would have had to have seen Billy Madison at some point on accident. Turns out, no. Turns out I must have watched Happy Gilmore and not Billy Madison, but watch me watch Happy Gilmore next and, like, not have seen that too. <laughs> <laughs> think like think it was Caddyshack or something. <laughs> I bet you've seen Mr. Deeds now. That's my guess. So Billy Madison is the movie that when people say I liked Adam Sandler's old stuff, but I hate his new stuff, they usually point at Billy Madison to say like, that was a good movie. Yeah. And I think that if you don't like Billy Madison, you're just not going to like a typical Adam Sandler film in general. Yeah. Because I saw so much that is just archetypical of Sandler films in this movie. I think it's archetypical of every movie that people consider quotable. This reminds me so much of every movie Will Ferrell made while I was in high school. Like, that's true. Like, that's what this movie is, is adult man gets placed into situation that adult man normally isn't in. If you can take the step of being like, I can handle the fact that this man is going to act extremely childish. It's a funny movie. If you can't take that step, you don't think it's funny. And I think that's basically a pretty easy dichotomy of if you're going to like it or not. I, I think that that is, is pretty true. And I think before we do a recap, you wanted me to go over a little bit of where this lands in the timeline of Sandler. Long story short, it's because he was fired from SNL that year. He, oh. This is this is the year uh, him and Chris Farley were fired from SNL, and they struck out on their own. And they were wildly successful, but this is their first time, I guess, as adults not having like a solid job. I think that really puts into perspective what they're doing here. It, it's not an SNL movie anymore. But at the same time, it has a lot of those very similar aspects. Yeah, it's very obvious he has studied sketch comedy because this is kind of like sketch comedy after sketch comedy bit there are even references to snl like with the lunch lady bit and the sloppy joes that's was originally his album though i think i think was it yeah they put that oh, on no. snl because he put <laughs> it on his album oh and i think there's a few other references that i might have missed that were references to other things he did Mm -hmm. um but most importantly first time we saw uh a song by sticks in it so that that's important right you did mention that he's a big sticks fan apparently yep renegade plays in this one there was no sticks and airheads there was not but he didn't really have that much of a uh impact of airheads yeah the, the director in this one talked about how she let 
Adam Sandler be Adam Sandler when he was on screen, basically. It was very much ad-libbed type stuff. And I think that's pretty obvious if you watch it. He's just doing his... What what's it called? It's like Goo Goo Gaga stuff. Yeah. It sounds dismissive to say that because like it makes me laugh half the time. But like it's gibberish. I mean, he talks yeah. in gibberish. Literally, they mention that in the movie. Yeah. If you're gonna talk in gibberish, get out of the kitchen or the dining hall. And there's one thing I was wondering if if this is just me because I wrote this down and I learned something later. What would you call okay. how Billy Madison dresses? What's your closest reference to how he dresses in this movie? Lazy Tony Hawk. Okay, I think that's pretty close. I I thought he dresses like he wants to be part of the Beastie Boys. Oh my god, yes. And do you want to funny? The, huh. The director is married to Mike D, or was married at the time to Mike D of the Beastie Boys. That is so wild. And maybe it was just like, <laughs> that's the 90s, but it kind of feels like little beastie boys reference let's let's quickly recap the movie i'm pretty sure if people this is going to be the movie people have seen so we probably aren't going to spend terribly long on this one i want to know though first how many times did you laugh oh i laughed 25 times way higher than other movies and i was howling at certain points because i mean it was a new movie for me too so all the jokes were fresh and, I mean, I had seen some scenes before. Like, I knew the scene with the kid who hit his pants. I knew that scene already. But you didn't know the payoff line, which is the, if peeing your pants is cool, call me Miles Davis. You were yeah. losing it over that line. It was so funny. Which, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've said that in front of you before, too. And you probably just thought I was being crazy. <laughs> probably <laughs> i mean i'm sure that i've heard it my favorite line was the one about the sasquatch the one that you said at the beginning of the show but that's because i love sasquatch yeah um and there is a sasquatch uh adam sandler movie down the line i'm excited it's a sandlerverse yeah that those are definitely connected those yep. two movies have to be in the same universe <laughs> okay um, um so i can get to the recap if you'd like me to yeah so, um, Billy Madison is the son of a wealthy hotel magnate, and he is just an awful person. Like, he is drunk all the time. Adam Sandler is. His father seems to be reasonable. Yeah, I mean, for a billionaire. Yeah, that's... <laughs> so, uh, Billy, Billy is just... He's a man-child. He's awful to the staff. He, you know, he's just not a nice person, and he is... He's so, what's the best way to say it? He's so, such a loser that, yeah. like, he gets too drunk and too, like, sun feverish. Yeah, they, they they constantly treat him somewhere between a, like, eight-year-old Richie Rich from that movie and, like, just a person who's already wasted their life and there's no reason trying to change them. So... Bradley Whitford and um, some other people show up to have like a little dinner with uh, Billy Madison's dad. And, you know, Billy shows up and he acts like a little kid, like literally speaking gibberish, slurping on his soup, making a fool of himself mm -hmm. um, in front of all these people. And Bradley Whitford is kind of like the villain here. He wants to take over the hotel chain. He wants to take over the Madison hotels instead of Billy because Billy, if he handles the hotels, 
everyone is going to lose their jobs, essentially. Yeah, they say like 60,000 people is who they're in charge of, which is... Yeah. Would be like the largest hotel chain in the world. But whatever. So... Just as big. <laughs> Billy's dad tells him that the only reason he even passed high school was because he basically had to pay off his teachers. So they make a deal that Billy can take over the company when his dad retires, if and only if he can pass first through 12th grade in, what is it? Two weeks per grade. They don't yeah, really, two, whatever that yeah, works out. Till. 24 weeks, I guess, about a half a year. So that is the, that's the plot, is him going through all the grades. And <laughs> we first see him go to Mrs. Lippy's Ms. Lippy's first grade classroom. And this is after he has a brief conversation with this teacher who clearly does not like him one bit, who we later learn is Ms. Veronica Vaughn. We get this wonderful scene with Adam Sandler just wrecking the kids in dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, which he he actually was throwing the dodgeballs in real life is like a fact I've heard on the internet a lot. I guess I don't know that's true, but... Dodgeballs aren't going to cause any serious damage. It's just very funny to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just whipping dodgeballs at kids <laughs> during dodgeball. Um, so two, he passes. The, yeah, go the ahead. two things I wanted to touch on for those scenes was uh, Veronica states to him, don't you think it's pathetic that just because of who your father is, you get to go back to school and blah, blah, blah. Um, which really just shows like, here's, here's what we're supposed to think of you is that you're pathetic. Um, and then also when he first goes into the first grade class, everyone gets up and hugs him and he looks like the most uncomfortable man in the world, uh, having a bunch of people hug him. I wasn't even paying attention to that cause I thought it was the cutest thing. It's <laughs> what you're supposed to feel. But, like, if you look at Billy Madison, he's just like, this is not good. I hate this. So he passes first grade, and after every time he passes a, a grade, they throw this huge party at their house, and they yeah. invite all the kids. Like, it's this a dream carnival. carnival. Yes, I love it. And <laughs> this is immediately where I realize what kind of movie I'm watching. It's not just a comedy. It's like a weird comedy because... Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> This clown is is walking on stilts and falls down and like cracks his head open and is like bleeding from his mouth. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is this? So second grade, he passes second grade. Then another carnival. <laughs> another carnival. So third grade, his teacher is Ms. Vaughn, this the teacher that doesn't like him. And he makes fun of a kid for not being able to read, for for basically stuttering what he was reading. And Miss Vaughn drags him out into the hallway and lectures him. Hmm. And I mean, he's not taking it seriously in this scene at all. Yeah, he gets extremely defensive about the fact that he's being like a piece of shit, mm -hmm. um, which is very in the nature of like rich, spoiled kid who has never been told that they're kind of a piece of shit before. So, yeah, I like that scene. Yeah, it, it's a good scene, and it is important because it does show a character growth for this character. On Valentine's Day, it's a sub day because Ms. Vaughn is out sick, and the principal, Principal Anderson, is um, the substitute on the sub day, and 
<laughs> there's a cute scene where he where Billy gets a bunch of valentines from all the little girls in the class. It's it's adorable. But he also gets one from Mr. Anderson. <laughs> yeah. That just says I'm horny. Yeah. Well, it doesn't just say that, but whatever. Yeah. It says like <laughs> Billy, I want you, something like that. All I read on the bottom was the I'm horny. Yeah. He goes over to Ernie's house after who's, school. Who's just a third grader. Yeah, just a third grader uh, who he sits next to, who's a cute little kid. And he makes Ernie call Ms. Vaughn and ask, is there anyone in class that you like more than a friend? And then he makes Ernie ask about Billy, about himself. And Ms. Vaughn tells Ernie that he, Ernie, is more mature than Billy is. And she says grown-ups like to go out with other grown-ups. So ba- really calling Billy not a grown-up, which yeah. is true. He's a, he's a child, essentially. He's a man-child. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going on a field trip, and Chris Farley's the bus driver. The scene where he makes his face go so red. Yeah, apparently that was, like, improv and Adam Sandler was having a lot of trouble, like, keeping it in, watching Chris Farley purposely, like, make himself turn red, pretending he's angry. Dude's a, dude, just such a good character, or a uh, physical actor. And uh, on the field trip, like, someone steals all the lunches, and it turns out to be Chris Farley <laughs> and Billy's two Yeah, I guess friends. we didn't mention that before, but in the opening scene, Norm MacDonald and uh, someone else I don't recognize, uh, his name's Mark Belton, yeah. um, are just burnouts that hang out at his house and sleep at his house and are always drunk. Um. Yeah, they're there to be a foil for Billy later to show the level of maturity that he yeah. has ascended to. What happens in this scene that shows us some of Billy's emotional growth is that Ernie is facing a wall and Billy asks him what's up and it's Ernie peed his pants. So Billy splashes water on his pants and pretends that he peed his pants and tells all the kids that that's what adults do. That's what grownups do. It's cool. And all the kids want to pee their pants. <laughs> so he passes third grade. Bradley Whitford wants to plot Billy's downfall, and he he's going to figure something out. So um, we just get that little aside, that little evilness aside from Bradley. He wants to destroy Billy Madison, and he looks over, and the scene cuts to his burnout friends. And then he looks over yes. the other way, and he looks to the, the principal that he actually goes with. But I found it interesting that they yeah. looked at the friends for something I'm going to bring up later. This is where <laughs> he shows Veronica, uh, Miss Vaughn, Veronica Vaughn, his tent where he's been mm-hmm. living. They did show his other room in the beginning of the movie, too. And his room in the beginning of the movie is just a child's room with like a race car bed and basic colors and children's toys. So. And yeah. a basketball hoop. Just like. Which, by the way is very reminiscent of the kids' room in Uncut Gems. It is. It's it like is the like same basically room. the same room, but like not fantasy. Interesting. I wrote, my note here was that the scene goes down very similarly to how things go down in Airheads between Susie and mm-hmm. Pip, where Adam Sandler's acting this bashful, kind of stupid part. He, he, like I will say, you in know, this movie, he is openly hitting on her before this the scene though oh yeah yes and then in all caps i wrote the ethics of the situation because he and his third grade teacher make out 
And I don't care that he's an adult. Yeah. It's still um, weird. The thing for me is I don't think he earned it <laughs> is the, the best way to say it. Like, she shouldn't like him just because he pretended to pee himself once. Who's not willing to... If he had actually pissed himself for a friend, maybe. But he faked it. So. <laughs> I, yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, You're right. Um, But he... he we get a little montage of him going from fourth through eighth grade. And it shows him really just having a really good time. And we get a scene with Bradley Whitford and the principal, Principal Anderson. And, and Bradley Whitford has a magazine called Wrestling World. And on the cover, it's clearly just Principal Anderson wearing a lucha mask. And apparently he sat on someone's head and murdered someone accidentally. Yeah. Um. <laughs> What was he? The the disgusting ooze? Is that what his name was? Um, but yeah, Bradley Whitford blackmails him. Basically, they basically said he doesn't have a teaching degree and that he committed manslaughter or accidental death, whatever. While it is technically blackmail, there's nothing ethically wrong with Bradley Whitford showing that this man isn't like shouldn't be teaching because he doesn't have the credentials and like doesn't know what he's doing well for sure not but i think that there's a version of this script i can imagine this where he's not a wrestler but like an snm person i don't know oh you know right. like involved in bdsm because that makes more sense with someone like accidentally dying because he was sitting on their head yeah you I know mean, also cutting off their oxygen also wearing a mask um and not wanting the kids to come over he was wearing the mask when the kids come over later and the the kind of weird sexual stuff he does towards billy madison i guess yeah all of that hmm. i i wouldn't be surprised by yeah. that actually that's a good point so he billy goes to high school and it sucks for him because he gets bullied because he's not cool anymore because, you know, he's an adult going to high school. And he, he tries Obviously. really hard to be cool, which oh, is so hard. super cringy. He pulls up in a, what, a Camaro or a Firebird listening to the song Stroke Me really loud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, good stuff. So he befriends the nerds. And... I think that the, the nerds befriend him. Yeah. And, they feel bad for him. Yeah, and they also point out uh basically that he is a loser and he refuses to admit it he thinks that no this is just what cool people do to other cool people i think he's putting a front on that because he immediately goes the next scene he goes back to third grade classroom and sees the kids and miss vaughn when he goes out into the hallway and talks to miss vaughn he admits that high school really sucks for him right now and she says it doesn't feel so great to be called a loser does it mm-hmm and kind of harkening back on that scene where he makes fun of the kid for not being able to read. Yeah. And this makes him think about the people that he bullied when he was in high school. Yeah. So he calls up Steve Buscemi <laughs> <laughs> to apologize for being a dick. Yeah, it shows that he has a list of people to kill, which after he gets an apology, he crosses off Billy Madison's name. This is one of the scenes that I'm going to talk about when I get into my queer theory piece that I always talk about, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, because he also puts on lipstick at the end and leans back in his chair. Which is what? The whole scene is coded in this almost romantic way because the music is romantic mm. and it pans back and forth between Billy and Steve Buscemi's character like two lovers on a phone. In in very much the way it didn't 
when they were on the phone with uh, Miss Vaughn. Exactly. Because it never shows Ms. Vaughn. Yeah. In that scene. Anyway, um, Max Anderson, Principal Anderson, goes on the news and he he talks about how uh, Billy cheated through school and lies and says that he was bribed. And Billy's dad does not believe Billy that this is a lie. So he gives the company to Eric, right? Is Bradley Whitford's character? Yes. Uh, he gives the company to Eric and... Billy just gives up, so he gives up on going to school, because what's the point? He goes back to drinking and, and messing around with his friends. Mm-hmm. They go to visit Veronica, all drunk. Um, he sees the, hallucinates the penguin again. As a, uh, like a suitor in Veronica's house, like, he accuses the penguin of being in a relationship with Veronica. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just completely messed up again, just like in the beginning, and he's acting like a jerk, and yeah. So the next day, he's laying, obviously hungover and everything, and his friends are all there, just like in the beginning of the movie, and Veronica shows up, and at first they just show, like, her legs. It's it's very much like the Charlie Brown scenes, you know, how you only see the teacher? Yeah. Like, up to the waist. It's very much like that. And... She starts beating him up. She kicks his ass, basically, (laughs) and tells him that he's throwing his life away, that he should go back to school, and that she knows that he didn't cheat. There's a musical number. (laughs) Yes. Like, like, they have a musical, like, (laughs) she's even dressed up like she's in Sound of Music. Yeah, she's instantly wearing a dirndl. Uh, They have this big, I mean, not huge, but like a big musical number. Everything's happy. The clown shows up. <laughs> yeah, the cl- says, I wasn't actually dead. You just probably thought I was dead this whole time. I just hurt my I brain. just broke my leg and had a brain hemorrhage. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, with the, the thing that interested me was that I don't think this was Adam Sandler's voice. I don't think he performed this song. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, the. You know, the person you thought was Ian from the last movie. That was. It was by Adam Sandler, and in fact, that song earlier that you thought Ian from uh, Airheads was in was Billy or uh, Adam Sandler in prosthetic makeup. Oh, I mean, he's a pretty, I mean, not accomplished musician, but he's a solid musician. So, I'm yeah, he's definitely a solid musician. It did not sound like him at all. Wow. So, um, the kids help him in this. They show up at the principal's house. Uh, he's in his wrestling wrestling mask. And they, they kind of blackmail him, too. So he refutes a statement on TV. And Bradley Whitford, I don't know what he throws at his secretary. It's just a but paperweight. He's, yeah, he throws a paperweight as his secretary and knocks her out. And she's in a coma. I, I want to point Completely out. throw away. He throws the paperweight in anger. And it happens to hit his uh, secretary, who was not on the screen at the time. Um True. It's just weird. I Again, I believe it's a thing to set up him as a villain because nothing he does in the movie is very villainous yet. So they decide to have an academic decathlon because Bradley Whitford throws a tantrum that... Yeah, so his argument is that contractually, Billy Madison did not do what was there two weeks per grade and that he could sue for the rights to take over the company. Basically, Billy said, like, I'm going to go after his pride and say I'm smarter and better than him. And then he'll, you know, challenge me. And instead of going to court, we can just solve this now. 
Yeah, so he challenges him to an ac- academic decathlon. Uh, and he kisses Bradley Whitford on the lips, which is so funny. You, you, did you get that reference? No. It was uh, the, the kiss of death thing from Godfather to Frito. Um, I've never seen Godfather. Me either. Um, at least I've never not fallen asleep during it. But I do know kissing someone on the lips and whatever he says is a thing. Uh, mostly because Ben's done it to me like twice. But So we get a scene. We get a montage of studying like um Ms. Vaughn does strip studying with him and Chris Farley <laughs> the bus driver <laughs> plays strip uh studying too which is really good but anyway they they end up in the final round of this academic decathlon and it's a speech um with a bunch of different categories or you have to answer a question about a bunch of different categories so Bradley Whitford gets to pick the category for Adam Sandler to answer and he picks Industrial Revolution. Adam Sandler starts answering this question by using the puppy who lost his way, the happy puppy who lost his way, as the book. And it doesn't actually show us like the whole speech, but it does like that fade in, fade out, like he's giving a rousing speech. And at the end, everyone claps. But apparently it was not. <laughs> yeah, the, the judge famously says like, that was... The worst thing I've ever heard, and everyone in this room is stupider for having heard it. Um, it's so funny, and I had seen, I had actually seen that before that line. Did you did you get the reference what he does afterwards? Which might just be a cliche, but I think it's a reference to another movie. No, what he yells, uh, I, I think it's called Nips High or something like that. Where he yells like Kip's High Football, High School Football Rules, which is a reference, I think to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when he says St. Demas High School football rules because his speech sucked and then everyone cheers. Right. I think that's right. I think that's true. And now it's time for, because he doesn't get points for that, now it's time for Adam Sandler to pick the category and Bradley Whitford to answer. So Adam Sandler picks business ethics. Bradley Whitford clearly doesn't feel like he can answer, so he pulls out a gun (laughs) (laughs) and threatens Adam Sandler with it. Uh, but Principal Anderson comes out of nowhere wearing his wrestling mask and, and like tackles him, gives him the people's elbow. It's so funny. Bradley Whitford gets up and he still has his gun pointed on them. He actually points it at Ms. Vaughn, but Steve Buscemi shoots him in the butt <laughs> from the opposite side of the auditorium. So And just gives funny. him a thumbs up, right? <laughs> yeah, and that's it. That's Steve Buscemi's part. So... Adam Sandler wins. Uh, he gives a valedictorian speech, um, but in the end, he doesn't want the hotel chain. He says he wants to go to college and become a teacher, and he gives the company to Carl, who had been kind of helping him the whole time. He doesn't really actually like support him throughout the movie. It's just shown that he worked his way up from the beginning of the hotel magnet and stuff. He was a night bellman originally, and now he's you know the vice president or whatever. And then at the end, everybody makes out. Yeah, including clowns and... Um, Norm MacDonald makes out with... Lunch lady, I think, right? The lunch lady. The nerds make out with each other, right? No, with the hot mom from first oh, grade. Oh, yeah, the the nerds make out with the hot mom. Uh, Miss Flippy makes out with the clown. Uh, Steve Buscemi makes out with Juanita the maid. And Chris Farley makes out with the penguin. And, of course, Adam Sandler and Veronica Roth, or Veronica Vaughn, make out. Yeah. And that's the end <laughs> yeah. of the movie. Um, the, every movie has ended so, so far. 
with uh, the you have to kiss the girl. I wanted to read this quote because yeah. this movie was panned by critics. Yep. And uh, this is a quote from just the Wikipedia page from Janet Maslin of the New York Times. It, she said, it succeeds as a reasonably smart no-brainer. If you've ever had a yearning to relive the third grade, this must be the next thing. Next best thing. So my question, next best thing. So my question is, is this actually a no-brainer or is there something sophisticated about it? Emma, are you, are you cool for me to go on what I noticed about it? Yeah, because you had a really interesting thought about it that I think really does work. Um, especially with where, I guess, from what I know about... Uh, the SNL timeline, I think this might make sense. Um, what I saw this movie as, as an adult, this is the first time as an adult I've watched it, um, it seemed to me like a metaphor for someone dealing with addiction. Um, including the fact that he starts hungover, um, he has his relapse in the, the end of the second act, um, and then... Uh, he has a few references in it, I think, to the, the 12 AA steps, but uh, they kind of shy away from it because, well, I think because Adam Sandler's Jewish and AA is a Christian thing. Um, but, like, the making amends part where he calls up Steve Buscemi as part of AA, uh, very famously, that's like the fourth step, I think. It's referenced a lot in sitcoms is why I know. And then uh, they make no, Steve Buscemi says like something like we should grab coffee sometime, or no, Adam Sandler says that to Steve Buscemi, and he says like that would be nice. And you see very often in uh, stories about addicts, people going and get a cup of coffee. That's just a common theme. Um, and also, in what I would say is an out of place scene, when Veronica comes to Adam Sandler and throws him in the water and beats him up. She is wearing all white, and she's repeatedly dunking his head under the water in what I saw as a, like, rebirth scene. Oh, like a baptism almost. Yeah. Um, from... That's, I did not even catch that. But yeah, so, like, throughout the movie, it's him slowly... There's, I mean, there's a lot of ways to deal with addiction, um, but I, I'm willing to just assume... Adam Sandler knows enough about drugs to see what addiction kind of does and be able to like make light of that. He um, was at he was an SNL. Yeah, um, his best friend's Chris Farley. Like, yeah, Chris. If people don't know, Chris Farley died of drug overdose. Um, yeah, and it seems to me um, like they make light of drinking. Whatever. In my mind, the addiction it maybe isn't like a one-to-one -one comparison, but it seems to me exactly like the kind of bingy behavior of someone. And I grew up in a place where a lot of rich white males got addicted to something because basically their parents kept bailing them out of hot water. That's That that struck me re-watching this, that man, that's what I'm seeing on screen. And Billy's dad really does act like an enabler in mm -hmm. the beginning. There's also, like, he, he gains this strong support network. And the end, he's doing it for himself. Mm -hmm. And he's not doing, he's not getting educated 
he's not getting educated for anyone else. He's not getting educated for the hotel anymore. He's doing it to improve himself. And then he wants to become a teacher too and help improve others. Um, so I think that's a really apt reading of the movie. Yeah, and there's a few scenes in it where like he is defending his shitty behavior, um, which I can see as a here's us making him pretend he's like a 13-year-old who have a lot of trouble, uh, I think, owning up to like shitty behavior against others. But also, it's a classic thing that addicts do when called out. Um, they refuse to admit that there's a problem, and uh, many, I'm making broad strokes claims, it's, you know, the the classic, like, I don't actually have a problem. It's everyone else who sucks now. Stuff I, like Alex, I mean, he even goes through 12 grades. Oh, yeah, he does, huh? Also, he does hallucinate. That's also another thing. Um, <laughs> that doesn't have, maybe from Sunstroke, I, I've, I've only Yeah, but ever... he hallucinates again when he's just blackout drunk. Yeah. It's a, it's weird. It's, that's a weird scene in general. Well, I mean, funny. I think hallucination has more to do with other drugs than alcohol, and I think that mm-hmm. might be a little bit of a clue. Like I said, I think that's a very apt reading of the movie. In my mind, this puts Bradley Whitford's character into a different light. Um, yeah. I don't think, if, if we just say Adam Sandler in this movie is playing an addict, and Bradley Whitford is working in this business. The way we see it is now Adam Sandler is so fucked up at dinner that he can't talk straight. And they're like, you have to leave. Like, you can't just be here, like, messed up like this. And then uh, the guy who owns the company is like, well, I'm going to give my company to my son. And they're like, okay, we're, we're ruined. Thousands of people are going to lose their job. And at what point does, I mean... He seemingly tries to sabotage his recovery because he doesn't trust him, which is very shitty to do. But he also points out at times that he's trying to save people's jobs and he sees how he's treating other people. And it makes Bradley Whitford, while like a kind of shitty dude, not the worst person in the world for just trying to like not have some uh, strung out guy running a business and with all this power and money yeah for sure and if you are looking at it from this this lens of an addiction analogy it is it doesn't make you a bad person for wanting to cut someone out of your life who is struggling with addiction it Mm -hmm. doesn't make you a bad person if if you if you cut them out of your life after they've they've hurt you or 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 messed up so many times a lot of people feel like they they need to stay in like a relationship or with a family member or friend when they're when they're dealing with this, but there is a point where a lot of people just cannot take it anymore. And yeah. it doesn't make them a bad person, and it doesn't make the person struggling with addiction a bad person either. Yeah, like, there, in my mind, Bradley Whitford is a very good person to have as a I-don't-want-to-deal-with-this-addict-type character because he always seems very, you know well-educated well-spoken type person doesn't have to deal with this very often and is able to sweep you know society's problems under the rug type guy him being a foil to someone who's struggling with addiction works really well compared to um you know just a classic evil businessman and i think that's why they had so many one-off uh scenes to show him as evil basically 
there are, as you said, also there are lots of these scenes that are thrown in to kind of make Bradley Whitford seem more like a villain. Mm. And that last scene where he has to give the speech on business ethics, it doesn't seem like it fits in with any of the other themes because there is nothing in this movie other than when he bribes or when he blackmails uh, the principal. And even then, that's a little iffy. Um, there's nothing in this film that shows us that he is bad at business or bad at business ethics. Maybe if they had included some stuff where he like, um, like stepped on people to get up the corporate ladder and like hurt Carl or something like that, or like really wanted after that money and was going to screw over all the other, um, yeah, workers anyway, but they don't have that scene. Even the first scene we're introduced to Bradley Whitford's character, which I really liked, he's likable and he's talking to Carl as a like peer where uh, they're waiting on Billy Madison because they can't start eating until he's there. And he says, I'm hungry. Carl says what? Like, uh, you should have some Triscuits in the car. <laughs> and Bradley Whitford yeah. basically gets angry like, well, if I knew they were delicious Triscuits and not some terrible cracker, I would have had some, but you didn't <laughs> tell me. And they're just like, in my mind, that's a very I'm joking around thing to say. But like, I don't know. Maybe he's supposed. Is he supposed to be coming off as like shitty there? Because that's just like funny jokes about Triscuits, which is, you know, top tier comedy. I don't like when uh, noises happen after I say a funny Triscuit joke because it seems like you're just letting me hang. Good Triscuit joke. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, very clearly, from just like a, a blatant reading of the movie standpoint, obviously this film is about maturity and immaturity. I think it is telling that in the scene where we are supposed to see Adam Sandler's character as, as like going through a change and learning empathy for other people, it is through his willingness to be immature that helps him with that. I think that that is definitely key in that scene yeah which again maybe they just didn't do a great job on the maturity aspect no but bradley whitford's character is shown to be willing to be immature he like yes. is flipping off billy madison during dinner in like a joking way by itching his eye and he like gets in these little like spiffs with him and the the, the thing is he seems like a playful guy yeah like maybe a little bit uh, I don't know the term, like high strung, maybe, mm -hmm. but like not someone I would dislike hanging out with. He he wasn't uh, developed. If they wanted him to be a villain, he wasn't. You're right. He wasn't really developed enough. But the movie does try to frame him as a villain. So if you are looking at it at first glance, he's definitely the villain of the movie. But like with your addiction metaphor, I I mean just I just think that's a really good analogy, and it might even be what the what adam sandler intended i don't know from my point of view it just seems blatant now i can't not see it that way i can't not see it either especially again 12 grades i mean it's just so clear there and yeah. i'm sure that like you can't be the first person who's who said this and, i mean again i'm an english teacher so i consider myself as a, a, a an expert <laughs> i'm a high school english teacher <laughs> um i i i think that that if a student wrote an essay for me on that topic, I would give him an A. I have an A on this podcast, which is the highest grade so far. I'm the valedictorian of this podcast. Just pointing it out there. I want to talk about feminist 
lens and queer lens for this movie just very briefly because there are some homophobic jokes in this Mm -hmm. movie that did make me feel a little uncomfortable with the framing like steve buscemi's character is a queer coded he's queer coded and he's like a serial killer type i i think it's a straight reference to a horror movie i have seen um are you thinking silence of the lambs no i think i'm thinking psycho is psycho where he puts on lipstick he dresses up like his mom, yeah. That just goes to show you how many villains are coded as queer. And that is a harmful stereotype. And I, I think a important aspect of that is this character was brought in to show this is the person Billy Madison like picked on as a high schooler, as a rich, affluent person who mm-hmm. is shown to be. This is who he attacked. Um, yes. And I think it's important to point that out. I think Billy Madison's probably the villain in the movie. But, but there are other scenes where homosexuality is, play- homosexuality is played for laps, too. Principal Anderson is kind of seen as a predator mm-hmm. in the movie, using his homosexuality as, like, predation. But there are other times where it's not seen like that. I mean, Chris Farley playing strip, strip studying... That's that's played for laughs, but it's not like a predator relationship, you know? It's not like yeah. it's but, not played like that. It's just played as a joke, which is also harmful, you know, but well, it was also the thing is it's absurd because um without our knowledge before we go into the movie, these characters have no in uh, like there's no reason they should know each other or talk to each other, and the only scene before that that they really talk about is Chris Farley uh Talking about how, like, I banged Miss Vaughn. And then yeah. Adam Sandler says, no, you didn't. And he's like, well, I know a guy. And he's like, no, you don't. And then said, like, well, yeah, but can you imagine? And Adam Sandler's like, I'm I'm not having any of this. So it's, it's weird that they'd go from he was trying to be, like, sleazy with him. And Adam Sandler refused to be part of it, which was part of his, you know, like, m- maturity growth. That is the crux where maturity happens. And it shows that Chris Farley isn't mature. There's also the scene at the very beginning of the movie where they ask, uh, his friends ask him, would he rather have sex with Jack Nicholson or Meg Ryan? And he asks 1974 Jack Nicholson. And they say, yeah. uh, Yeah. They say yes. (laughs) And then he thinks about it. And then says Meg Ryan. Yeah. So, I mean. I I actually think that's a pretty good joke. It is a pretty good joke. It's, It's pretty funny. And, you know. It, at first, it kind of shows me, like, is Billy, you know, is he confident in his masculinity? I think he's much more confident in his masculinity than um, Shecky was in going yeah. in, going overboard. Mm-hmm. I actually see a lot of connections, too, with the comedic style of going overboard in this movie. Like, that absurdism with, like, King Neptune showing up, you know? Yeah, it's it has absurdity, and it also, it feels like sketch comedy a yes. lot of the time. Um, you can tell it's very ad-libbed, which uh, I know a lot of people don't like, but I'm I'm a pretty big fan of. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. I, I thought this movie was really funny. And I think it's also, while we're still kind of talking about like feminism and, and um, queer theory, this movie was directed by a woman, Tamara Davis, mm-hmm. and she um, is known for her feminist directing. Um, according to her Wikipedia page, 
She was going to direct a movie called Bad Girls in 1994, so a year before this movie came out. Um, and a lot of sources say that the studio disagreed with the feminist approach she was going to take to the movie, and she was kicked off um, of the film, and she was replaced with a man. She is known for working on other feminist projects. Um, there was a comedy that made fun of the sexism of rap mu music videos, um, as well as looking how at how Hollywood misused African-American culture in the industry. So this is from Wikipedia that I'm reading this from. Um, so she is known for looking at things in a feminist lens. Um, and also directed Half-Baked, which is a really good movie. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> good movie. And I just think that that's very interesting because I don't think that I would not call this movie a feminist movie by any means. But no. we do know that the director is at least aware not just because she's a woman, but because, you know, she has this kind of a track record that she's aware of what she might be doing behind the camera. I would also say uh, being married to Mike D, she was probably plugged in pretty hard to just the general punk scene. Well, it says um, here she was the director of choice for performers such as NWA, Sonic Youth and Black Flag. People are probably going to get annoyed hearing me say this, but like the punk scene is where a lot of not where like queer theory is formed but a lot of the time where it's allowed to be expressed for the first time um because they don't really conform to the the norms as much so being with a group like black flag and having their support could allow you to maybe make a movie that's a little more feminist mm -hmm. i'm not saying that they're responsible for it but i do think the punk scene is good for talking about that type of thing I, I actually do think that Billy Madison is a little deeper than people might give it credit for. And at the same time, it's a film that you can just watch and have fun with and not have to dig into. But like I said in episode zero, I enjoy really digging into the the films and the texts and, and everything that I that I consume media-wise. Um, but it's also just really, like, stupid funny. Mm -hmm. the, the movie is just... I really enjoyed it. I had a good time watching it does it is it woke no of course not but i mean i don't think that every every piece of media that you have to consume it should needs to be 100 percent correctly in line with whatever ide ideology you have i yes. think i think it actually holds up better than it probably did when it first came out because it was absolutely panned like i said panned by critics and now it's becoming a broadway musical it was announced in february 2020 and yeah, um, Broadway is like the pinnacle of culture for me, at least. Hmm. Well, I guess you could be the opera is high culture, but I mean, if it's on Broadway, it's good, right? That's what people think. Broadway is supposed to be artsy. Yeah, I, I guess when when it comes down to uh, what we talk about a lot of why is everyone hate Adam Sandler? When you have Billy Madison on Broadway, it kind of says, what are you talking about? Obviously, people are into this. They like it. Yeah. So, again, it's two out of three for me. The The scales are tipped in Adam Sandler's favor. What's next? Happy Gilmore, right? Happy Gilmore is next. It is very like this movie, basically. Um, it's, it's written with uh, the help of one of his friends that we're going to be seeing a lot of in Happy Madison Productions. Um... And it's the start of the the sports movies with him. 
which is a huge genre. Um, and it was a giant commercial success. Uh, I like quadrupled the amount they spent on it. So uh, Billy Madison didn't make that much money. They did okay. Happy Gilmore makes a ton of money. Hmm. Um, and it is one of the movies that has above a 50% uh, on Metacritic, which I would be worried about if it weren't for the fact that I know I like this movie. Well, so far, um, this is my second favorite movie that we've watched because I actually liked Airheads better. I, I think Airheads is more rewatchable for sure. Yeah, I think it is. Um, but I did really like this movie. It's a close. It's close mm-hmm. for me. Well, um, you can find our podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find me. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Jaska. You can find me at Kitty Crusade. And you can find our, our game company at wannabegames.com. And take my wife, please. Oh, that's my line. <laughs> gotcha. Should have put it in early.